What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. Been thinking a lot uh, in the past day or so, especially uh, uh, since I spoke with a good friend of mine who's a big-time baseball card collector about quantity versus quality. And I think it's a subject that's worthy of exploring a little bit for you and I to kind of sit down and, and kick around a little bit and see uh, if there are any things in our collections that we'd want to change because um, if there's anything that you get out of this podcast, I want it to be that number one, I want you to have fun in this hobby. And number two, I want you to know that you're not stuck with what you have. And number three, that you can always move towards something that you like more than what you currently have. Um, so the way that I was talking, um, or I was talking uh, with a good friend tonight and uh, he picked up a uh, barrel baseball bat uh barrel card number 10 for his guy he's got seven knobs as well um he's kind of gone a kind of similar route to what i've done in the sense that he has sold a lot of stuff off and he's going to probably still be selling more uh, stuff off of his player uh collection and really kind of focus not so much on getting everything uh, so that way he's getting off of the treadmill um, of super collecting and he's going to focus just on cards that he really likes. Uh, the cards that he really likes are uh, barrels and knobs for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, it's fun as a collector that's not really into the same player as he is uh, to look at this like nice spread, this nice array of uh, barrels and knobs of the same player. It's really cool to see that. Um, and so, uh, as I've said in, in uh, podcasts in the past, I am not really somebody that is looking to get a boatload of barrels and knobs. I think they're very special cards. Uh, I also think that, for my collection anyway, um, I can be satisfied with just one of each, maybe two of each, um, depending on you know, different variations of, or parallels of that type of card. Um, when it comes to patches, I can pick up patches all day long um, if they're wild and crazy enough and everything. So, um, uh, but when it comes to certain special cards like uh, uh, laundry tags, um, button cards, a lot of times I will try to just stick with one each. And there's a reason for that. It's not because... I only like one of each, it's because I really kind of want a nice representation of each type of card in my collection. And I'll constantly upgrade, by the way, so I can you know, buy others and trade or sell what I have if I think something else is better, or sometimes I'll have multiples. Um, but ultimately, um, uh, you know, sticking with one type of each card allows me to do something that's, you know, really powerful that I never really got at a heart level until these past couple of years. And that is being able to uh, save up and pick up cards that are like truly spectacular. Um, you know, the last one I picked up, which is, uh, I think is just like an incredible card, is a T206 Ty Cobb Bat Off. It is what I would consider to be in the running of the most beautiful card ever made. Uh, there are some others out there that I think uh, fit that bill as well, but um, there are countless other people 
that would say the 206 Bad Off Cobb is the most beautiful card ever made. And even the most beautiful piece of art made if you really want to, you know, kind of go down that route. So, thing is, is if I were continually uh, dabbling in Canseco cards where I'm getting uh, multiple autographs and game use cards every single day just for the sake of getting them because I don't have them, uh, I would probably not have the capital to pick up something like that Tycom. And uh, I keep thinking about that because I always have to go back. You know, I always have to go back. And uh, if I'm looking at my old website at CansecoCollector.com and maybe longing for certain cards I've sold in the past, um, I always remember if I didn't sell those, I wouldn't be able to have, you know, these Babe Ruths and Ty Cobbs and Honest Wagners and Sheila Joe Jacksons, you know, and that uh, changes my perspective on everything. And so I was thinking about this when it came to knobs and barrels as well. Um, I have a handful of friends that have multiple barrels and knobs of their guys. And I'm thinking, man, uh, if I had, you know, 10, if I had like 17 knobs and barrels like my buddy does, uh, but of Kinseiko, um, where would my level of excitement or satisfaction be? And, you know, I've thought quite a bit about this recently. Um, because I've had, at one point, I had the lion's share of all of those that were uh, ever created for Jose. And, you know, as I got out, uh, they continually made more and more and more. So I think there's probably, uh, if I remember correctly, I think they've made probably about 25 different barrels of, of Jose so far. And they'll continue because um, his game use bats are plentiful. Um, same with knobs, but in any event, um, you know, I... <laughs> I've been thinking about this. At what point uh, does uh, the level of satisfaction multiplier uh, diminish? Um, you know, so in other words, when you get a special card, are you like super excited about it to the point where like, yeah, I've got a barrel, I've got a barrel, this is awesome. And do you have that same level of excitement and enthusiasm when you get the second one? What about the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, um, you know, all the way up to whether it's, you know, 20 or 30 or whatever, you know, when is the stopping point, right? Um, and for a lot of collectors, there's not. Um, uh, but, you know, for me, I'm thinking, uh, you know, I think my, my level of excitement has uh, been, uh, is the highest with just the one. And, you know, thinking that there are uh, single cards out there that I want and have uh, that are worth just as much as 17 barrels and knobs together um, really puts things into perspective. Because uh, for me, I, like I said before, I love uh, looking at a nice array of, uh, of a picture of all of them together. I think it's really neat looking. I've got a buddy that... Uh, super collectible Clark that he's got a picture that he'll post every now and then of all of his barrels and knobs together and uh, very impressive uh, for me I'm thinking if I did this with Jose um, it'd be a nice photo op for sure um, but you know I still think I would just like these other vintage cards that uh, you know that kind of represent 
you know, like I said, uh, you know, a plethora of knobs and barrels for one card. So let's take a look at, for example, the, uh, the, you know, I've got a 1933 Worldwide Gum. It's the Canadian Gaudi uh, Babe Ruth. Beautiful, beautiful condition card. And it's a card that I enjoy showing to people and talking about. Um, but truthfully, it's basically the same thing as having 17 Canseco barrels and knobs. And I'm thinking about this, like, what would I truly rather have? Um, you know, so I do think that the, and I think that's kind of what you need to think through as well, is where is your optimum level of satisfaction and excitement? Is it a mix of quantity and quality? Now, guarantee, you know, I'll tell you this, granted barrels and knobs are not just quantity, right? <laughs> it's kind of a, kind of stupid to call them, you know, to pretend that they're like low end cards or whatever. But in comparison to, uh, you know, having like a baby roof like this, uh, you almost can say it's quantity versus quality. So what would you rather? Would you rather uh, 16, 17, 20 knobs and barrels of your guy or um, one really high-end, super nice uh, vintage card? Now, if you've read my book, uh, Confessions of a Baseball Card Addict, uh, that I that's literally, it was published, I think, about mm, maybe close to three years ago now. Um, I actually say in there that I, uh, at the end of my super collecting career, I was wildly more excited about Conseco stuff than uh, Babe Ruth or Ty Cobb or whatever. And uh, that still rings true to a point. However, it really depends on the card. Um, you know, I can get really excited about a 1915 Cracker Jack, Shilis Joe Jackson, in a way that just no Kinsego card really will hit uh, because it's just that much uh, higher of a card than anything else that they've ever put out <laughs> of uh, Kinsego and ever will. Uh, nothing will come close to, you know, nothing will probably come close to a tenth of what that card is um, for, for Jose. And uh, that's okay though because it really is kind of apples and oranges, right? I mean, if you have a, uh, all these cards that they continually manufacture uh, every single month of any given player versus really what's what would be considered by many to be uh, a historical artifact right um, it's part of our uh, it's part of, it's part of uh, America you know it's part of our uh, you know national pastime and uh, you know so it's, it's a very big difference but uh, in any event that's what I'm trying to get to is uh, if you have, a plethora of cards and not necessarily just a bunch of uh, knobs and barrels but just a bunch of any types of cards different miscellaneous inserts and parallels of cards that you like but you don't love you can literally today start uh, formulating what you want to do and what direction direct what direction you want for your collection to go and you do that by sitting down pulling out the cards of your collection that you're not absolutely white hot about and sell them. And then if you don't have any other uh, more pressing financial obligations, look, and I've said this before in the past, uh, peer bills, save money, um, put yourself in a 
financially advantageous uh, position for your future, but if this is all play money and everything because it's your collection, and which I guess we'll try to assume that's what it is since this is a baseball card podcast, uh, is find out what you want to do with this money. You might find that you have $5,000 worth of uh, cards that you don't even really care about. You know, so if, if that's the case, you could take that money and you could do something spectacular. Imagine getting a Babe Ruth or a Ty Cobb uh, or a number of them or a Cy Young or a Walter Johnson or Christy Mathewson um, if you're truly into vintage, of course. I know vintage can be a whole new animal when it comes to uh, you know, collecting um, different breed altogether, especially when it comes to comparing them with the shiny new graded cards of today. Um, and it can also be a little intimidating, I understand. I get it, but it's my true belief that the vast majority of collectors, if they stay in this hobby long enough, they're going to funnel down into vintage eventually um, because it's, uh, it, it's, like, it's almost like hallowed ground that you're standing on whenever you're going through vintage stuff. And uh, uh, you know, I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course, obviously, but um, it's really a different level because you feel something different when you're holding a card in your hand that was made not for value or to be scarce, but to be a collector's item, to be something that was enjoyed by children, you know, perhaps a century or more or less ago, um, depending upon what it is. Um, when you have the new cards, they're obviously going to be prettier. Um, and I put in uh, finger quotes there um, because they could do refractors and they can put in all the this uh, the lace and grace technology, different game use pieces, and uh, and all that. But there's a different feel to them because you know the card companies are building them and creating them uh, to be scarce, to be limited, to be valuable, and you know that they're not going to stop. They're going to continue creating these cards. Whereas you know 1915 Cracker Jack. 1933 Gaudi, they can't create any more of those, you know, <laughs> that, that ship has sailed, they are done. And, and what makes those cards special is not that they're just cards, but they are 1915 Cracker Jack, 1933 Gaudi, 1952 Tops, um, T206, T205, I mean, just uh, Old Judge, uh, Alan Ginter, Gypsy Queen, um, some amazing, amazing cards have been uh, created uh, in the past, you know, 100 plus years or 100 plus years ago, um, and even 50 plus years ago. I mean, there's just so many cards out there. But sometimes what that means is we need to just, uh, you know, if, if we feel a little in, intimidated about certain cards and we don't know enough about getting in, into them, it's really about researching. And so I would suggest to you that is a worthwhile endeavor to research vintage. Because I feel that once you do, not only will I think it will be at least uh, a good investment monetarily. And, and again, you know, that's, I don't really want to give any investment advice. So, you know, kind of scratch that, right? <laughs> um, but that's what I think is going to be good for the future is vintage. Uh, but it will also be fulfilling and rewarding to learn about baseball history. Like every time I... Uh, make a purchase I really kind of dive in 
and I read and research about it and I find some amazing facts um, that's just that makes you fall in love with this stuff um, you know I think once you get into vintage it doesn't let go of you you know and uh, um, so anyways that's uh, kind of what my journey has been over the past couple of years is um, melting down all of the stuff in my collection that I don't really care about and uh, using that uh, that, that uh, has been melted down into purchasing something that's amazing. Um, another couple examples, um, and you know, by the way, I'm not talking against anybody who wants multiple barrels and knobs and that sort of thing because, like I said, extremely impressive, and there are just some people that like that way more uh, than vintage or you know other types of cards. But um, anyway, so when I picked up a few uh, collections, uh, Conseco Super Collections over the past uh, couple years, I found myself with like 10% of the entire run of 1993 Finest Refractors, uh, nearly 25% of the entire run of 2015 Topps Dynasty Consecos. I mean, it's just, uh, it was a very impressive uh, <laughs> run of cards and a fun, again, photo op to be able to show people, hey, check out what, you know, a quarter of the run of 2015 Dynasty Consecos cards looks like. Um, but in the end, I realized something. They're sitting in a box, <laughs> you know, and there's not really a good way to differentiate loving one over the other. And finally, I ultimately ended up selling all of the dynasties except for one. Um, and it's uh, one of my favorites. It's a 2015 um, numbered out of five with a 25th anniversary sleeve patch which is uh i mean there's probably only three others out there in the world and they're all from dynasty um, for jose so it's a nice representation but the thing is in keeping that one representation of 2015 dynasty um, it's not lost in a forest of all these others that i had before so um, i was able to like I said before, you know, like I've been talking about this whole time, I've been able to take that money and move it into something like really special, um, you know, when it comes to uh, some vintage. And I think that part of that money actually went into that Babe Ruth I was talking about and another King Kelly. Um, same thing went with the uh, 93 Finest Refractors. It was like so neat <laughs> to be able to see all of them together lined up. Really kind of fun. And there's definitely something to be said about having uh, quantity of quality, um, whether it's 93 Finest Refractors, knobs, barrels, whatever, you know, what have you, Dynasty. Um, but it's just a matter of what is really going to kind of make you happiest. And having 10% of the run of 93 Finest Refractors was like really impressive. Super fun photo op. Just, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that you take a picture of it and you look at it again and again and again. But again, they're all just like in a box, you know. So, uh, you know, maybe it's best to have just one and, uh, you know, use that money for something else that you can display. Like a single card that is going to be like a standout far and above everything else. And so that's really kind of what I've been doing um, in fact, I look at my Consego collection now, there's still probably about, eh, I want to say 10 to 20 cards that are in the, 
you know, maybe the 50 to $100 range, maybe 20 to $100 range um, that are not really doing it for me. That will probably eventually sell or trade away. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of something else that I've done as well. I've made some monster trades in the past probably year or two. Like probably, uh, I want to say maybe five, six, seven trades that were just like gargantuan. Like if there's a word I could use <laughs> for them, you know, like where I literally would go to somebody that has a, you know, magnificent PC of Kinseiko and they have like a few of these cards that are just like ridiculous and I would overwhelm them in a trade with a bunch of like really, really cool cards, just to get the one or two that I really, really, really wanted. And after uh, being able to sit on these uh, for several months now, and keep in mind, almost every single one of these deals took uh, several, several months or even a year or more. Um, I'm able to look, at, look back and be uh, super happy and super satisfied with the deal that I did in spite of the fact that I had a lot of different cards going to them. And let me tell you something, guys, like it didn't make sense for a lot of people to see what I was doing, where I would have multiple one of ones and out of fives and patches and everything going the way of another collector, a super collector, only to get like a really nice patch card in return. And, but that is exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build something in my collection where every card is just like really, really amazing. And uh, so it's worked out really well for me. It's something that I found uh, is my sweet spot of collecting that makes me most excited. And so in telling you this, I'm hoping that this is kind of waking up something inside you if you're not already satisfied or content. And maybe opens up your eyes to, you know, seeing all these different uh, opportunities that you have, all these possibilities that you have. Um, I know it's difficult sometimes to figure out, hey, where do I start? But the process, I promise you, is not only just rewarding, it's fun. It's fun to be able to sit down and, and separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Um, you know, I would just caution you to be uh, careful with your... Uh, with uh, what you're trying to move because once you move certain rare cards they're gone you know and so obviously the term rare in 2021 means something wildly different than it did a few years ago just a few short years ago like because you have some cards where it's like oh man but this is a a one of one how can you move this one or you know there's only five of this made well guess what <laughs> every single month they make cards where there's only one that's made out of or five or something, you know. So uh, it's not really that big of a thing anymore. Now you've got to really look at the at the quality and the content of each specific card because, you know, hey, there's some cards out there, uh, and I've kind of touched on this before a little bit over the past uh, several minutes, but where I traded up multiple one-of-ones one of ones guys like i traded multiple one of ones for some cards that aren't even serial numbered and in many cases several one of ones went for one card that came back to me that didn't really have a serial number or anything so uh you know that's kind of 
how serious I am about, you know, not really, uh, you know, bowing down to the almighty one of one, so to speak, um, just because it has a serial number, you know, I mean, there's so many of them out there. Um, I spoke on this on my last podcast as well, like how Leaf, even they've had, uh, they made a Bash Brothers card that's one of one. It's a dual sticker auto of Kenseiko McGuire. I think it's the first time that an official uh, card company created, uh, you know, a Bash Brothers dual autograph, if I remember correctly, even though they're just stickers. But come to find out, um, you know, there's a number of parallels. Yeah, there's 12 parallels, and they're all one of ones. Uh, you know, so the serial number has been kind of diluted, not just by Leaf, I mean, by, you know, Penny and Tops as well, you know, for sure. But that was just kind of like the most blaring uh, example that I've seen. <laughs> I thought that was kind of crazy. Uh, but same thing with uh, these industry summit cards and the buybacks. And I mean, there's just all kinds of them, right? And so uh, you've really kind of got to look uh, at each one of them and, you know, say, hey, look, do I, do I think this card is special just because of serial number or is it because I truly like it? Um, so there's a lot of soul searching uh, to, to happen, to be sure, when you're figuring out what uh, cards you want to get rid of. Um, but like I said, that's part of the fun. The fun is like remodeling your collection using the, um, I think I use the term, the, uh, the cutting table, uh, if I remember correctly, something like that. Uh, uh, or the cutting floor or whatever, um, you know, from several months ago when I talked about this stuff, but it's fun. It's something that you can do every few months or every several months as your collection, uh, grows and shrinks and grows and shrinks. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a blast and it's fun to be able to see, uh, where my collection in particular has been, where, I've probably been, I'm probably much more satisfied with it now. Well, I'll say this, I'm definitely much more satisfied with my collection now than I ever have been in my entire life. And, um, you know, a lot of that is because I've not been afraid to move things. Um, it takes some guts to move some stuff sometimes. Like, uh, <laughs> But I've noticed something that uh, um, you almost invariably uh, will do something better and cooler with your, uh, with the money that you get from the cards that you sell that you really like because you're focused on doing so. Um, you know, so it's kind of a fun, fun thing. It's like a treasure hunt all over again and over and over and over again, wherever you, uh, keep selling your cards. And there's a lot of great things out there. Now, of course it would sting probably if you sold your rarest, hottest cards in like January of 2020 and you went to buy them back in like, you know, March of 2021 or whatever, because obviously the market, uh, just kind of went on a tear and a lot of cards, you know, five X or 10 X, you know, which <laughs> that had been unfortunate, but you know, that's the, that's of course the, uh, exception uh, to the rule. But, um, but anyway, so yeah, that's kind of what I've been thinking about quite a bit, uh, recently. And, I've put this test, uh, or put this to the test myself in my own collection, and I'm here to tell you I've got a big smile on my face um, because it was well worth it. I'm in a situation now where, uh, you know, where, like I said, I am most satisfied, I have the most joy 
out of my collection as well. Um, I get the most enjoyment from my collection uh, than I ever had before. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I want for you. And that's why I think that you can have, it's just, you know, it takes a little work. So um, if you have any questions, feel free to email me, tamemanbaseballfan at gmail.com uh, or tweet to me at tamemanbbfan. I would be happy to, you know, kind of drill down with you and, and answer any questions that you might have uh, on this if you want to go on this journey as well. Um, I am happy to help out any hobby, uh, hobby guys out there. So anyways, thank you for listening as always. I hope you have a great day.